Hey, welcome to the third episode of the Nightman Podcast, Freeform Improv in the Dark. In this episode, Breakthrough. Coming from December of 1993, we get the first real crossover, uh, full universe crossover in the Ultraverse. We also get Nightman's first real crossover into another title, and Nightman appears in three different books as we explore this big giant crossover with a little mini crossover of our own here at the Ultraverse Network. Freeform Improv in the Dark. The Nightman Podcast. Hi, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to be your guide into the wonderful world of the Nightman as we uh, open the third episode of what is quite possibly and quite possibly deservedly so the only Nightman podcast out there. I mean, who really takes the time to develop and design and record a podcast about a book that was canceled after just, you know, a couple years, I mean, come on, really? Who who really does that kind of thing? Well, I, actually, who really does that kind of thing? I, I guess I do that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Ben Avery, and I am a comic book fan, comic book writer. I am a fan of the Ultraverse and a fan of the Nightman. And if you are not a fan of the Ultraverse or a fan of the Nightman, I welcome you to continue listening and to enjoy what we do here, because this is a chance to broaden your horizons a little bit, find out a little bit more about these characters, and maybe, just maybe, check them out, and maybe a little bit further along the way, you actually become a fan yourself. I don't anticipate that really happening, but if nothing else, if I'm expanding your comic book horizons by letting you just get a glimpse at this this character, this character that I'm a big fan of, uh, this series that I'm a big fan of, well... My job is to put it out there and 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 just hope maybe someone hears it and, and enjoys it. Uh, I I don't know. I enjoy the series though, and so that's why I'm here to yap about it and and talk about it. Now, what we're talking about today is a little bit different. It is we're talking about the breakthrough event. Uh, Shag and and David have have touched on that, and I do have one more podcast that I'll be recording myself about uh, Sludge for my other podcast, The Comic Book Time Machine, that'll be coming out in a week or so. But uh, right now we're going to talk about the Nightman's Corner of that giant crossover. So some background, if you haven't listened to uh, Shag's episode about the Breakthrough crossover, uh, basically they did a two-issue crossover. One issue came out in December, one issue came out in January, and those two issues featured almost, if not every character in the Ultraverse who was around at that time, there were characters that came out later that, that weren't a part of this, but it, it affected every single uh, Ultra, the the superhero name for, for super-powered people in the Ultraverse. It affected them all because it would, dealt with a lot of the origins of where their powers came from. Now, when we talk about where their powers came from, we're talking specifically about some of these jump starts that have been happening over time. And it's this big cosmic event. It's this big thing where everyone is trying to get to the moon. Not just ultras, but humans. Everyone's going moon mad, and they're trying to get to the moon. Some people go so crazy, they're jumping off of buildings. And some people, you know, their pilots are pulling their planes and trying to fly up to the moon. And they're trying to get there because basically something is on the moon calling to them. Now, what is this something? Well, you need to read the breakthrough two issues to get to it. And how did all these books fit into it after that? Well, in December, every single book in the Ultraverse had a breakthrough tie-in. And what would happen is they actually took the breakthrough logo and had it smack into the logo from the book and and break it into pieces. Because it was, you know, breaking through. And so for some of them, it really, really did tie into their storyline. The Mantra book, I found to be a really good example of pushing Mantra's storyline forward 
and using the crossover to do so as Mantra went to the moon and looks around and, and is dealing with things from the past and things that are being brought up from her psyche. And then you have some other books where you know, the moon madness and the moon, the changing of the color of the sky and all these things that are happening, these cataclysmic biblical events are happening and they, it's just in the background. And it's just it's just happening, and no one really cares. It, in one book, in in Firearm, literally, it becomes a distraction for the bad guys that Firearm is able to take advantage of, so he can get out of a tight scrape. I mean, it's in some cases, I look at this and think this is a crossover done right. You know, you got this monumental event, this like I said, terrible terrible things happening signs and and you know things of biblical proportions as far as like end times type level of material it's quite possibly the end of the world and definitely the end of the world as we know it so to speak and in some cases i look at this and say this is how you do a crossover you have some characters who are affected by it vaguely you have other characters who are you know knee deep in it which, you know, like the strangers, they go, they steal a, a space shuttle from J.D. Hunt so that they can go up and find out what does this have to do with our origin story? What does this have to do with that lightning that comes down from the sky and zaps our little trolley and turns us all into ultras? And then you also have some people who are being sent up, like Prime, he's being sent up by the government. Prototype, he's being sent up to get back the space shuttle that was stolen from J.D. Hunt. And you have all these different things happening, and it's all tied into these two issues, really, of that are just called Breakthrough. And then you have Nightman, and Nightman's connection to this. I have to wonder what's going on in the writer's room as they're developing the Breakthrough story. How are they deciding who's going to actually be a part of things? Who's not going to be a part of things? Why are they not going to be a part of things? Uh, the sludge connection to Breakthrough. Well, we'll get to that when I talk about him on my other podcast. And, and you can join me there to, to see what happens with sludge. But it's just like Steve Gerber, maybe, you know, they sent him an email and said, look, you got to have something to do with people who are going mad because they want to get to the moon. And Steve Gerber says, yeah, man. I'm going to put it in there, man. I'm, I'm taking care of it, man. No, no problem. And I don't know what Steve Gerber talked like. I don't know why he's talking like that. I honestly, I, I don't know where that came from. But it, yeah, man, it's, it's taken care of. Then you have Steve Englehart, who has the strangers who are a big part of the event. Because <laughs> let me tell you, in both breakthrough issues, there is just a bunch of fighting. And what I mean by that is they are fighting each other. It's hero versus hero because they all have their own agendas as far as some of them want to protect what's on the moon. Some of them want to find out what's on the moon. Some of them want to get rid of what's on the moon. It's just, it's a free-for-all. And they don't know each other. They've only been around and fighting crime, fighting evil bad guys for just short periods of time. So this is also a big moment in, in Ultraverse time because it's some of the first times that like Prime and Mantra are really... Uh, having time to uh, connect with each other and to communicate with each other, although Prime has a little bit of difficulty with that uh, because he's in a space body which doesn't have a mouth. But all of these heroes are coming together for the first time or fighting each other for the first time. And it's, of course, that classic kind of when you meet another hero for the first time, it's the Marvel way. Now, they don't need to do it the Marvel way because they're not Marvel yet. But the idea being that they fight each other they get to know each other they team up with each other and by the end of breakthrough there are answers and there is you know in some of them a sense of camaraderie and in others a sense of well we're going to talk about freaks and nightman here in just a little bit but the bottom line is i like the crossover I think they do a pretty good job of it. I, I laugh about, like, Firearm. I laugh about Sludge and how their part into the crossover is really just, we are affected by it. Solitaire is similar, where Solitaire goes out and he is fighting with a cult of moon people who, they aren't really from the moon, but they worship the moon. And so when Solitaire is out doing the fighting, it has to do with the moon because suddenly this moon cult kind of has some purpose. So... I like the different levels of involvement of the characters. 
I think some of it's funny. Some of the appearances, and we'll talk about Nightman's appearance in the first issue of Breakthrough, and then we'll talk about Nightman's appearance in the second issue, actually next month, because that second issue came out January 1994, and we will talk about it in January of 2015. And But <laughs> Nightman's appearance in Breakthrough, issue one, it's it's funny. To me, it's really funny. So we'll get to that. We left Nightman last issue. He had just been fighting Mangle, and Mangle had been uh, harassing J.D. Hunt's son, Guy, and escaped. And so we're going to pick up today, this month, with Freaks, issue number six, which uh, kind of continues on with Mangle's story. There's some stuff with Freaks number five, but you know what? Freaks number five is not from December. I'm not messing with it too much. I, I'm i not reading Freaks. I'm not developing anything about Freaks. I am not analyzing the Freaks series. I am taking Freaks as if, well, I'm taking it honestly the way I did when I originally read Nightman. Breakthrough happened in December. And so in December, I bought Breakthrough, I bought Nightman, and I bought Freaks. And I did not buy anything else because Nightman was not in any of the other breakthrough titles. So that's what I picked up, and that's what I'm talking about here. This is a Nightman podcast, and so we are talking about the Nightman chapters and the Nightman's involvement in Breakthrough. And we will do so right after this. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice, blind justice, a guardian devil. <laughs> <clears throat> no, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil, you get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? So here's the deal on the promos that I play for the ads. Basically, you're getting a look into my playlist of podcasts, the pi- comic-related podcasts, I should say. There's some movie-related stuff and some religious stuff that I listen to. But as far as comic-related podcasts, the ones that I play as a promo on the Nightman podcast, they're ones that I listen to and they're ones that I recommend. There are no... Um, promo trades going on here it's something that when i was doing web comics i was just dead set against if i was going to promote another web comic it was going to be because i liked it if i was going to promote another podcast it's because i like it and not because they've made some sort of arrangement or you know i'm they're paying me hmm well maybe i would do if they were paying me I'd consider no, no. I'm I'm gonna be true to myself. I'm not going to sell out. Although, if I kind of like it and they paid me, that's not really selling. Okay, I need to move on. We need to talk about some freaks. We need to talk about some nightman, and we need to talk about some breakthrough. Nightman appeared in three different comics this month, and I'll be honest, um, as impressive as that might be. I'm pretty sure he's not the character who appeared in the most issues of uh, the, 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 the Malibu's Ultra, Ultraverse put out in December of 1993. Uh, honestly, I think it's quite possible J.D. Hunt appeared in more issues than the Nightman actually did. But the Nightman's, what made it interesting for me was that the Nightman actually had a crossover two-parter with the another title. With freaks. Now, with some of the other ones, you had the one off issue where, okay, now this is how they got to the moon. Basically, a lot of the breakthrough issues from the individual titles can really just be summed up as how we got to the moon. Issue one of breakthrough 
sets up the problem. There's craziness happening on the moon. And then you go to the individual issues, solution, prototype, strangers, uh, prime, mantra. And it's explaining how they get to the moon. Maybe there's some fighting in between, the, you know, the groups and the people and stuff like that. But then the conflict, the problem is resolved in Breakthrough, which ends on a cliffhanger kind of saying things have only just begun and we are going to fight together. And it's setting up the idea of maybe we should get together and have a team. You know, we could work together as a team and, you know, setting up some future things that are coming. None of this concerns Nightman. None of this even matters to Nightman. Well, let me explain to you what happens in the first issue of Breakthrough as it pertains specifically to the Nightman. So first, uh, I guess we'll look at the art team uh, that worked on Breakthrough issue number one. Contributing writers, Gerard Jones, Mike W. Barr, Steve Englehart, Steve Gerber, James D. James D. Hudnall, Tom Mason, George Perez, jo James Robinson, and Len Strazuski. Script by Gerard Jones, pencils by George Perez. Yes. Inks by John Lowe, ink assists and lettering by Tim Eldred. Color design by Moose Bauman and edited by Chris Ulm and Hank Canals or Canals or I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. So I apologize to you, Hank, if you are listening, although I sincerely doubt you are. But if you are, uh, actually write in. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway. So that is the contributing writers. As you can see, that's pretty much all the writers who are working on the Ultraverse at this time. Uh, it's just, it's the who's who of the Ultraverse writing staff. And you'll see Steve Englehart is in there as a contributing writer. Steve Gerber also in there as a contributing writer. But Gerard Jones is the guy who it all fell to, to put these two breakthrough issues together into a single script, at least the way I'm reading this. That's what I see. So beyond this, there's our team. Uh, it's going to almost take me longer to read the list of the team than it's going to take me to read the Nightman's contribution to this issue. And basically what we get is there's kind of a sequence in the middle of the breakthrough where they talk about what are other ultras doing out there? And you see Solitaire fighting that moon cult. You see Firearm doing his, you know, chasing down so the, these people who are they're hunters and they're doing some bad, bad things. You see Rune eating a heart or something that's dripping chunks of bloody chunks. And you also get Nightman in. He gets about two thirds of a page. Uh, where they're they're talking about someone in in San Francisco. It's not just Los Angeles, but also there's someone in San Francisco called the Nightman who might be an ultra or might not. And you get to see him jumping from you know the, the fire escape down into an alley. And there's a homeless man who says, "Hey, hey, what are you gonna do about it?" The Nightman says, "Do about what?" And the homeless man says, "The colors in the sky. They're the people going psycho." And the Nightman says. I'm hunting a monster who murders young boys. I don't have time for colors in the sky. <laughs> Basically, the dialogue kind of reads to me like, look, I don't got time for your crossover, okay? I've got my own story I'm trying to get through. And in my story, I'm actually dealing with, you know, some freaks as well. Oh, and freaks get their own page too. Uh, right, right around, well, it's actually on the next page. Uh, you see that the, the freaks are actually in hiding out and they're dealing with uh the madness and some of the members of the freaks have the moon madness now this is not a good thing to have especially if you are super powered and you're not really in good control of your powers to begin with sludge is actually on the on the next page from there but we're not going to talk about that so that sets up what's happening with the freaks what's happening with the nightman and what's happening with the breakthrough nightman doesn't have any he doesn't want to deal with it. You know what? I got my own show, man. You know, go go ahead. Do whatever you're going to do, old homeless man. So let's dig into then the first part of our two-part story that has the moon madness and the breakthrough stuff going on in the background as background. And that's Freaks, issue number six. The story is called Who Do You Trust? And that question is obviously going to be asked because the title is 
is the question. Uh, usually when you use a question for your title, you're going to have characters asking that question within your story. It's just a little storytelling tip. Uh, it's written by Gerard Jones. It's co-plotted by Jones and Steve Englehart. Ben Herrera is the penciler. And then you've got Rodriguez and Christian as inkers. Tim Eldred as letterer. Keith Conroy as color design. Violent Hughes, interior color. And Hank Canals as editor. The Nightman, it says, by the way, created by Steve Englehart. Now, the story starts out in a Christmas tree lot. The Freaks are, I think there's five members of the Freaks, and they are teenagers. They're on the run from a world that doesn't trust them because they don't trust the world, and they have superpowers. I don't know exactly all the details behind the Freaks. I have read the Freaks series. I remember liking the Freaks series. It has been years since I read it. And they are being approached by a man who is dressed in a strange costume. Basically, it's just metal braces combined with some sort of uh, bungee or uh, rubber type of thing that gives him enhanced strength because of the, the leverage and stuff that it gives him from the braces. And he's bald and he's naked other than these metal braces. Metal braces really don't cover much, which is strange because throughout he has been talking about how he's bulletproof with these braces. And the truth is, I don't see how that works because there's a lot of flesh showing. And the flesh that it's showing is scarred and mutilated and wounded. And he says to them, I am called Mangle. And I, he was changed uh, by a murderous crowd or chased by a murderous crowd. And that crowd was led by the Nightman. And he tells them his sob story and asks them to join. If he can join their group, join the freaks. And they reluctantly allow him to, because one of their own is going crazy from the moon madness. And they are, it's everything that they can do just to keep her calm down. Now, one of that member, a guy named Plug, who is going to figure in pretty heavily with the connection to Nightman, he is not really sure that they can trust this guy. And I just have to say, honestly, um, you know, here's just a, a word of advice for you. Uh, just just a, a, a tiny bit of wisdom that I have picked up over the years if you're a group of teenagers and you're on the run and you have been changed into mutant creatures with superpowers and you don't trust anyone i'm just gonna say it's probably not a good idea to trust a naked man who approaches you out of the blue wearing only metal bands and rubber bands and covered in scar tissue this guy, with his creepy smile and his leering eyes, is probably not someone that you should allow to join your group. It's probably not someone you should allow to even really talk to you. You should leave this person immediately. Do not trust him. Do not say, sure, we'll steal a car with you. Yes, because he's also a car thief. Naked men wearing metal braces, stealing cars. It's just not a very wise thing to do. This has been my word of advice for this episode. Of course, unfortunately for the freaks, I was not around to give them this advice and they say, sure, we'll join you or you can join us. Now he's obviously using them. He's using them to find JD Hunt and to find Guy Hunt, JD's son. Meanwhile, Nightman is trying to get through the mobs of people to find Mangle. He knows Mangle is out there. He knows Mangle is looking for more victims. Mangle has found more victims. He's found the freaks. And Plug, he just doesn't trust this guy. He, he, he knows there's something going on. He knows that probably this isn't a good idea. And stealing a car is another clue that this isn't a very good idea. But the freaks and Mangle steal a car. They're driving along because they're going to go to J.D. Hunt. And meanwhile, Nightman is trying to figure out how do I find Mangle. And he decides I am going to go back to where it started 
with J.D. Hunt. The freaks get there first, and they get attacked by uh, robot guards that are being controlled by Guy, which is kind of cool. He has these these robots. Plug is a guy who can actually interface with electronics. He takes control of one of the robot guys and, and is able to fight fight them off. And when I say robot guys, I didn't intend for it to come out that way, but... I mean, with Guy controlling them, it makes it makes perfect sense. Plug's able to, to hold them off, but then they realize that Mangle is gone. And where is Mangle? Well, Mangle is going after Guy. And Nightman gets there just in time to stop Mangle from doing what he's planning to do to Guy. Unfortunately, the freaks also realize that Mangle is gone from their battle. And they go to find Mangle, and they find Nightman getting ready to just, you know, punch and, and fight and, and beat up Mangle. And uh, the freaks take Nightman down. Uh, they take him down pretty handily. And it's kind of pathetic. It's a little bit sad. Now, there's commentary on this that comes out later on, because you have to remember, Nightman is still at the very beginning of his career. He doesn't know exactly what he's doing. The freaks, they overpower him, is what it really comes down to. They have the numbers, and they have the strength, and one nice thunk from the freak's big strong guy and and nightman goes down plug meanwhile he again this is the question is who do you trust and it's kind of asking plug who do you trust plug does not trust mangle plug thinks maybe we should trust nightman but the team is leaving and he is part of the team they're a gang they're a family they are a group of people united by a common purpose they all have these powers they want to find out What's the reason behind it? So Plug decides that he is going to go with the freaks. Because who do you trust? Well, you don't trust anyone. I don't trust anyone. I haven't talked much about the artwork, but on this last page is really the first... There's one panel on the last page that I'm super impressed by as far as the artwork goes. And I think it's so, so nice. And it's of uh, Nightman standing on top of a roof. Actually, I shouldn't say standing. He's crouched on top of a roof. The wind is blowing his luxurious, luxurious hair and also his cape. And there's the moon and it's a nice silhouette with trees and stuff like that. It's a really, really nice image. I really, really like it. The rest of the artwork in this book, I have to say I'm not that impressed by. I mean, I'm, this is part of the problem. I read Breakthrough first. <laughs> then I read this. Breakthrough, George Perez. And, and then this is... Uh, Ben Herrera, and you know, as much as I want to have Ben stick together, uh, this artwork, it's just not my speed. There is definitely a style to it, and there's definitely um, a stylism to it. I mean, he, he's drawing these unrealistic figures with with nice proportion and nice, um, you know, anatomy, but it's stylistic, and the style just doesn't, doesn't suit me until that last panel on well i guess this is next to the last page but the last panel of nightman where he's saying i have to find these kids they're out there with that mangled monster and i have to find them but how and that's that becomes the question for next issue is how is he going to find them after they've made their escape meanwhile on the very last page you have mangle who is basically you know he's kind of he tells them uh follow me if we find the boy then we'll find the father, and if we get the father, then we will get your answers. And maybe even help your friend who is severely affected by the the, the moon madness. And then it says at the end, to be continued in Nightmare number three, and then breakthrough number two, the conclusion of the ultra crossover of the year. Next issue of Freaks, come back for Val's story. Val being one of the characters, her story being something that we're not going to be talking about next month because, let's face it, this is the Nightman podcast, not the Freaks podcast. Well, this brings us into Nightman uh, number three, which is part two of the story that Gerard Jones and Steve Englehart work together on. Now, I do find it uh, interesting because Gerard Jones scripted the breakthrough series itself the two issues, but then his, one of his titles, the freaks, he kind of really pulls back and the, the, the moon madness and the change in the color of the sky. That's all just background material. It's all just stuff that's happening in the background. 
Well, let's go with uh, Nightman now. And as we, he's on top of a cathedral. He's he's hanging on to the the pinnacle there, and it's very Daredevil esque. And uh, I think I might have said something to do with why I played that the Daredevil promo, because I was reminded of the Daredevil. Now Daredevil's over in New York usually, but he does spend some time on the the uh, West Coast. But Nightman's up there, and he's just looking around. He doesn't know what to do. He is completely lost. Now, he recaps the story for us, the reader. Um, oh, by the way, the credits here. Steve Englehart is the writer. Gene Ha is the penciler. Dave Lanfear is the letterer. Chris Ulm is the editor. Steve Englehart and Gerard Jones both did the plot. Andrew Papoy, inker. Tim DeVar, color design. And Food Hammer, interior colorist. He's trying to figure out what to do. He doesn't know. And he he gets the solution to his problem when the priest comes running out of the cathedral and it's just, there's a car going by with loud music. And the people are really disrespectful to the priest. The priest is really angry at the people for playing their music so loud. It's disrupting the service. Well, that gives Nightman his answer. The radio. He doesn't do anything to help the priest. He doesn't do anything to help the, you know, he doesn't take either side. He doesn't, he's not like, you know what, man, you need to lay off on the youth of America because you're the man, man. He doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't tell the kids, you know what, dudes, get out of here. Let these people pray in peace as they are You're scared of what's up in the sky. No, instead he goes to an electronics store. And he buys a bunch of stuff at the electronics store. And then I think he actually climbs back up on that same uh, that same um, spire on the, the cathedral to set up a transmitter. And this is where Nightman becomes a podcaster. Or at least there's a picture of Nightman getting onto his radio and to do a radio broadcast that does look like, you know, just... Just looking at this image, him sitting in his little office chair at his little office, you know, his little desk in his apartment and just sitting by himself. He's getting ready to podcast. That panel right there on page five, that panel is how I feel. And he's sitting there and this is where we get it. The first time he says, this is the Nightman on the air. Calling the freaks. Nightman is on the air. And so he goes on the radio and he's, he talks for a little while because the freaks aren't listening to him. They're listening to other things. The freaks hear a uh, news report about the strangers stealing a plane. That is it. Mangle says we are going there because where that that spaceship is, there J.D. Hunt will be also. But as they're in their Cadillac that they've stolen, um, which this time it's not a convertible, so I don't know if they put the top up. Or if this is a different Cadillac, because we do get a little bit of a, a argument. Uh, maybe it's not in this issue, but uh, they talk about you know the Cadillac is you know it's the luxury car, and these other cars they're not they're not luxury. They're they're new money people, and this is the Cadillac is something that someone with old money would would drive. But my plug, he he gets in, gets back into the power lines. Uh, through a telephone and calls the nightman and listens. He actually gets into the radio in the car first. I'm sorry. He gets in the radio in the car first and listens to nightman's broadcast, even though Mangle has turned it off. But then he goes into the phone, calls nightman and gives nightman the information of where they're going. And he has some creepy interactions between a naked metal man and the, the freaks, but they all end up at JD Hunt's base it's a it's actually a naval base but as jd hunts things and they go in because they're gonna go and they're gonna get jd hunt and they they use their powers to fight all the 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 robots and and the naval officers and everything like that of course then nightman comes fights the freaks and here's where we get again this is the idea of this is year one this is him at the beginning of his career and what does he do well, he, he's not going to get beaten up anymore. He has tasers on his gloves. He's added to his costume. He's added to his equipment. And the taser does a nice job of knocking out one of the freaks. And basically, it's <laughs> the guy says, what What did you do? And he says, I bought several things tonight, referring, of course, to the radio transmitters and stuff like that. One of those things was a set of tasers. 
because I'm tired of getting beat up. And it's just, I, I like the line. I like the idea. I like that these five teenagers were able to put a stop to Nightman in their first altercation. And he's all about adapting. Because what is it? It's all about free form improv in the dark. So as Mangle is getting closer and closer to J.D. Hunt, Nightman is dealing with all these other guys. But we're going to get then Mangle's backstory. Because he finally goes and he's attacking them. They're shooting. Both uh, J.D. Hunt and his son uh, have pulled guns on him and are, are shooting. But we get the backstory. And the backstory is really quite awful, actually. I'm going to go ahead and read it here. It says, I was just another scholar with no job when we started. Jeremiah Sturm, Ph.D. You hired me as a tutor, and I was grateful for the job. My mother needed round-the-clock care, and my insurance had run dry. So I moved into your house. You were a good student, but you weren't studying history. You were studying pain. How much you could inflict and get away with. After all, every time we played, your father and his new wear labs could put me back together. But not well. No, you used me for further experiments then with your wetware. You made me ultra strong, but twisted. Then twisted me back with these braces. My mother needed your mother so much. You paid so handsomely, I tried to stick it out. But evidently, it drove me mad in the end. And this is J.D. Hunt's response. And you think you deserve revenge? I think you ought to kiss my foot. Your mother's alive, and you're an ultra. <laughs> we get, this is really creepy, weird. I can't tell if this is badly written line that comes next, or if it's just so creepy and weird that it's good. <laughs> Mangle's answer to, Your mother's alive, and you're an ultra. You can just kiss my foot. I'll kiss Guy's foot with my ultra strength. And then I'll take a few hacks with a baseball bat. What? That's when Nightman comes on the scene. And Nightman's making some realizations, too, about his powers. As he realizes that uh, Mangle is thinking, and he can sense the evil. But with Guy, who is thinking about killing people, Nightman can't register that evil. And... He puts it together because Mangle has been deadened to pain. Mangle's rebuilt body is too deadened. And that's why I didn't register evil from Guy Hunt. The kid's sense of morality is deadened. Hunt raised him to think what he's doing isn't evil. And so this is where we kind of get in some gray things here because Nightman's saying, I'm protecting them. Something, the, the ultra stuff that I'm doing, it's not black and white. Things aren't straightforward. But... But I'm the one who called it Freeform Improv in the Dark. So the way that he wins <clears throat> is uh, unfortunate that he, he, he shoots him. He just shoots him. And it's the last thing he wanted to do, but he, he has to do it. And... He feels bad for doing it. He feels bad because he has protected an evil man and his son who is evil uh, by nurture. He's been nurtured to be soulless, to not have a sense of right or wrong, or at least to not have a sense of good and evil, even if he knows, uh, you know, kind of a different right and wrong for him. You know, what's right is what is good for me and what's wrong is what is bad for me. Uh, if it feels good, do it kind of thing. So anyway, Nightman is basically telling, he, he tells off J.D. Hunt. He does not want anything to do with J.D. Hunt. And J.D. Hunt is on his, um, his naughty list. It's December. It's Christmas. Why not? It's on his naughty list. And then when he goes to walk away, J.D. Hunt demands that they arrest him, that they take him down. But the people who run the base, the naval officers, they're like, he's, he fought on our side. I think that considering everything's going on, we're just going to let this guy walk away. And speaking of walking away, the freaks are just gone. We don't see where they went. We don't see when they went, uh, all the stuff going on with JD hunt and mangle the freaks guys, they they've taken off and they have nothing you know, more to do with it. Then it says to be concluded in breakthrough issue number two. We'll talk about breakthrough issue number two and the Nightman's conclusion within it um, next month. 
but that concludes this this uh, the, the plot summary, I guess. I didn't do the three-act structure, I guess, um, because there's so much going on. Although, I kind of did with Act 1 being Breakthrough, Act 2 being Freaks, and Act 3 being Nightman number 3. But The ideas going on here are interesting because it really... Uh, when you take last issue of Nightman and then this issue of Freaks and this issue of Nightman, you do have this dynamic of fatherhood and, and fathers and sons. And you have in Nightman number two, that definite relationship between his father and him, between Johnny Domino and his, his father, Eddie Domingo. And then you have the relationship of the kid that he helped who ran away from home because he wasn't getting along with his father and Nightman say, hey, you guys, from what I heard, you guys can patch us up, but you need to work at it. And then you have J.D. Hunt and Guy and their father-son relationship. And then you have Mangle and the Freaks and Mangle kind of taking on, for a little while, a father figure role with the Freaks, but also with Guy. And so you have all these different relationships and different father-son dynamics. And it's a really uh, interesting picture of all these different um, you know, positive relationships and negative relationships. And I honestly, I feel bad that I missed it uh, in the last issue. I really should have caught it then when I was reading it and seeing you know, the Johnny and his father, the runaway and his father, and Guy and his father. Like I said, I really would have wish I would have caught that during the last episode when I was actually, you know, reading that issue. But it continues through here, and so I don't feel quite as bad. Now, the other thing that happens as you're exploring these relationships is you see this kind of um, nature and nurture kind of thing going on. Uh, you have, and, and also, along with that, the question of evil, good and evil. Because with Guy... Nightman can't sense Guy's evil thoughts. He can't sense Guy's evil intentions because Guy doesn't consider them evil. And Guy doesn't consider them evil because his father brought him up to believe that it wasn't evil, to believe that doing evil things is actually good. Doing evil things when it benefits you, there's, there's no reason not to do that. And this is where we get to explore then some of the ideas that the powers of the Nightman allows the stories to bring out. With the Nightman's power to sense evil thoughts, in the first issue, he didn't sense any evil thoughts in the sharks. The sharks that were going to, you know, eat, <laughs> eat uh, the villain there. Now, he sensed the villain's evil thoughts, but he didn't sense the sharks. And... It's kind of cool. I like this. I like where I like it when uh, comic books take us into places where we think about these kind of big ideas. What is evil? Where does it come from? Uh, what determines what's evil and what's good? And in the Nightman's case, as he is developing his his powers, and as the ideas are developing within the story, you are getting a, a an impression that you know. There isn't necessarily a good and evil beyond what you, as the actor of the action, have as far as your intention behind the action. And with Guy, he just sees shooting someone as a thing you do. It's not evil. It may not even be good in his mind. It just is a thing. And it's a very interesting and, and kind of delicate uh, dance, I think, in some ways, of how we explore you know, right and wrong. In comic books, especially, right and wrong are pretty clear-cut and dry. You have Superman and Lex Luthor. Which one's good? Which one's evil? There's really no question in your mind. Now, there are the ideas of, you know, the, the anti-heroes. There's the, like, the Punisher or, uh, like, Wolverine or, or, um, my my co-host with Welcome to Level 7 and Comic Book Time Machine, Daniel, his favorite character, uh, Deadpool. There is some grayness in some characters, and there is some grayness in the portrayal of some characters, especially something like a Batman, or what they tried to do with Man of Steel, with the, the movie, that is. But the bottom line is here, it's interesting because Nightman's powers actually kind of force the conversation in that direction. In the context of his fictional 
powers, this, this, this fictional world that he inhabits, uh, good and evil seem to exist as constructs. But, you know, it forces the conversation to think about, well, what is evil in what, what things that people do are evil? And what is it, is it a, is this, is evil a spiritual force and good, a spiritual force or a spiritual law in the same way you have laws of nature where you have gravity as a physical force and light as a physical force. And so that's a big reason why I like this series. That's a really big reason why it really resounded with me because beyond, you know, you have Batman, he's struggling with issues, you know, and he's struggling with, do I do this? Do I do that? You have Superman, he struggles. A good Superman story has him struggling about what should he do and not be the Boy Scout who just has no question as to what he should do. But with Nightman, because of the very nature of his powers, it just forces some questions into, really, if you allow yourself, it forces you ask yourself questions about, you know, what is good, what is evil. And these are questions that should be wrestled with. These are questions that if you're, if you're not thinking about them, well, I understand why you might not want to think about them. But in order to live a, a rounded life and a positive life, and, it, you know, for me, a spiritually fulfilling life, you need to be asking your question, these questions about good and evil and things that you do and your motivations for the things that you do. And, you know, and for me, then that also dives right into the questions of your relationship with God and your relationship with other people in the world. And so that's, I, I don't know how much Steve Englehart intended this series to kind of grapple with those questions, but there is more to come. Now it doesn't go as far as I would have hoped it would have gone, uh, but it does go into some interesting places. And so I'm excited to talk more about them. But for now, I think we need to stop this conversation and uh, we'll take a break here because I, I just... You know, I look at the ads and I just wonder to myself, boy, wouldn't it have been really cool if there had been some sort of, you know, hostess ad, maybe for like their fruit, fruit pies. But, um, you know, we'll think about that and, and then we'll get into our, our listener feedback and talk about what's coming up in our in our next episode. But for now, let's just sit back and think and ask ourselves, what if... A Nightman in Playing the Long Game. Nightman, that guy with those weird metal things is gonna get me. That's right. You know, I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you and I'm going to mangle you with my mangler. No, you're really not. Because I got this. Hostess fruit pies. A lifetime supply of them. Nightman, are we going to run away now and escape? No, son. That's not the plan. Let him eat. Let him eat. Later. And my braces have grown into the fat of my body. Oh, what a world, what a world. And now, little Timmy, now we can get away. I didn't even have to throw a punch with my tasered gloves. This is what I call playing the long game. That certainly is. <laughs> and in the time it took you to rescue me by using that plan... I earned my degree in advanced physics. <laughs> you get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. And we're back. And it's time to open up the mailbag. There is no listener feedback this week, so um, we'll close the mailbag back up again. Again. Hey, if you want to find us online, there's a couple different places you can go to do that. The main one is the uh, our, our website, which is ultraversepodcast.com. 
You can also go to Facebook and like us there. We are at facebook.com slash Ultraverse Network. Yes, this is pretty new, and it's only been up for a short amount of time. We've already got a fair number of likes. I'm actually kind of surprised how many people in this short amount of time have, have liked the, uh, the the Facebook page. But we have the Facebook page there. We are also found on Twitter, and we are at uh, Ultraverse Net. Uh, on Twitter. And so, yeah, uh, we loved hearing from you and uh, really appreciate when we do get to uh, interact with, with listeners and fellow fans of the Ultraverse. Now, I know that some of you are wondering, what about the conclusion of Breakthrough? How did Nightman figure into that? We'll get into that next month. Like I said, that is a January issue that did not come out 21 years ago this month. And I just have to say I am very, very, very excited about the next issue because there are some things that were that are coming in this issue, issue number four, that I did not realize that how early they were being set up and how far then the ramifications go. But that is that is next month. Uh, for now, I just want to thank you again for listening to the Nightman Podcast on the Ultraverse Podcast network and if you are a fan of the nightman if you're a fan of the ultraverse like i said we would love to hear from you and you can email us at ultraverse network at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you one last thing our ultraverse breakthrough coverage does not end here with this episode uh we are we've done two episodes about it within the network but we are doing one episode on the comic book time machine at comicbooktimemachine.com i'll be talking about sludge's involvement in the crossover. So until next time, I I do want to leave you with one final word of advice and encouragement. To anyone considering developing a company-wide comic book crossover, but you have characters that just don't fit in, don't worry. Just tell the story you were planning on telling anyway. And just have a couple characters talk about it for a panel or two. It's easy. Because company-wide comic book crossovers like jazz and crime fighting are just free-form improv in the dark. On the next episode of the Nightman Podcast, Freeform Improv in the Dark, we have the return of a character who appeared early on in the series. Of course, I guess we are still kind of early on in the series. And we also have a new villain. And it just might be that, spoiler alert, they're one and the same. I'm excited about this one. Join me next month for Who is the Nightman? Oh, and don't forget, we'll also cover... The Nightman's huge, 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 huge involvement in the conclusion of the breakthrough crossover. You're not going to want to miss it, man. I'm serious. The Nightman, he's just like, they they couldn't have won with... Uh, who am I kidding? He's on there for what? One page? Less than that? Uh. <sighs> well, at least we got the, the two-parter with the freaks out of it. <laughs>